Wish you had more space in your home? Use MakeSpace. They'll pick up, store, and deliver your stuff. Get started at MakeSpace.com and use the code CHICAGO50, that's CHICAGO50, to get $50 of free storage. It is the Industry Interactive Podcast, featuring industry-centric interviews, discussions, and more with the premier minds in the creative arts and industries. My name is Haima Black. I host this podcast at DynastyPodcast.com. This week, Michael McGee of the Starter League. Here's how that sounds. All right, looks like we are live. Um, Haima Black here for Dynasty Podcast. It's our in- industry interactive program. We're broadcasting live right now over Google Hangouts. And I am on the line here with Michael McGee, co-founder of the Starter League. How are you doing, sir? I'm doing great. Thanks so much for having me on. Absolutely, man. Thanks so much uh, for taking some time to talk with us. I think it's going to be a really interesting conversation. We are going to be talking about coding, which is something that Starter League very much involved in. Uh, it's really like kind of your bread and butter. But we're going to be talking about coding and especially how it could relate to musicians because Dynasty Podcast, very music-focused um, broadcast organization. And I really thought that it would be interesting if we kind of zeroed in on coding and how it could relate to the creative artist community within, you know, within the music realm. So, you know, I guess to get started, let's kind of start at square one, which is like, what is Starter League? Like, you know, what's your role in the company? I know we, we just established that you're co-founder, but kind of like, if you could talk about what Starter League is so that everybody who's listening is on the same page and they know what we're talking about. Yeah, no problem at all. So the Starter League is a beginner-focused software development and design school located here in downtown Chicago. So basically, people apply to get into our school. We interview them, and then we accept accept people who, you know, are really passionate and really, you know, hardworking and want to learn how to code and design. So we have three-month programs uh, that range from web development. We teach Ruby on Rails. We also teach HTML and CSS. We teach visual design. We teach user experience. We teach all the parts that are necessary to build a website and a web application. So we've been doing that for the past couple of years. We've taught over 650 people how to make their ideas real uh, through software, and it's been a pretty incredible experience. Yeah, and, you know, it's something that I think is really interesting. Um, but before we go too far into it, again, like starting at the beginning, because I, w- I want this to be a conversation that anybody who is not familiar with coding can listen to and feel comfortable. They're not going to feel shut out because I think coding can be a little bit intimidating, you know, Mm -hmm. for people who don't know it. I think they look at it and they think, Oh my gosh, I could never learn that. That's a totally foreign language. So, so let, let's kind of tackle the big question, which is what is coding for people who maybe aren't as familiar with it? Definitely. Um, And that's, I mean, that's a great question because, you know, we were one of the, we were those people, you know, my co-founder and I, you know, for so long, you know, for at least six years, I procrastinated on learning how to code. Uh, you know, I just thought it was a bunch of ones and zeros. Um, I didn't, you know, know that it was anything else uh, than that. But, you know, coding is all around us, you know, especially all of us who, you know, are on the Internet pretty much every hour of every day, whether it's our laptops, whether it's our mobile phones, um, just what we interact with in public. Uh, coding and design is represented all around us from going to Facebook.com uh, to, you know, checking your email to checking the weather. All those things are made with code. Uh, and all those things were, you know, shown to us with design. So that's what we teach, and that's what we've learned over the past couple of years is that instead of us just being consumers, you know, so many of us are consumers uh, in this, in, you know, in this world of code and design, 
but we don't create. We don't feel like we're smart enough. We feel like we need to be math and science geeks or we need to need to have been like learning since we were six or eight years old. Um, but what our school does is it takes people who don't know anything. Like you don't need to know anything about programming. All you need to do is know what the internet is, be able to, you know, type, uh, you know, and use a mouse and you can learn how to do this. And so that's what we've been doing for the past couple of years. So that's really what, you know, it is. Coding is something that's not just for the select few, but we believe that it's something for everyone, something that everyone can use and uh, to solve meaningful problems and build, you know, ideas and make them real. You know, it's kind of funny because you talking about that and how coding is really all around us. It's something we interact with every single day. I mean, anybody who's connected even remotely digitally to any kind of, you know, web device, it's something that I think people don't think about how it's made. You know, it's kind of like a hot dog. It's like it's in your hand and you're eating it, but you're not sure what went into putting it there, you know. And, and people, I think they kind of take the Internet for granted. You know, I mean, the Internet's been around now within, I think, the popular mainstream, let's say, for like 15 years or so. You know, it's been around longer, but in terms of it being an everyday part of our life, about 15 years. And I think people have just looked at it like, I don't know, one day this magic just showed up in my box and now it's here. They don't think like someone put this together and a human being figured out the language of this. Definitely. I'm, you know, in terms of the, the hot dog example, <laughs> that's one example of something that we probably don't want to know <laughs> how it's made. Um, <laughs> But uh, with coding, I, I totally agree. I think that was a great example because we do we do take it for granted. I took it for granted for so long. You know, you're just so used to just having a product in your hand, whether it's, you know, when I was little playing an N64 or, you know, PlayStation and, you know, or watching TV, uh, you know, logging on AOL, you know, having like the 38-second, you know, <laughs> dial-up tone and just memorizing that. You know, we all have these experiences of getting on the Internet for the first time, you know, downloading songs, watching, you know, a TV show or a movie or playing a game. Uh, and, it, you know, until recently, you know, I started to learn actually how those things were made. And the funny thing is, is that it's actually more exciting to know how things are made than to actually just consume them, you know, because you actually understand, you know, the, the pieces that are put together to actually make this thing real. And once you know the skills and you have the tools to do that yourself, it's extremely, uh, you know, empowering. No, I, I absolutely believe that. And, you know, so kind of the conversation that I was looking forward to having, you know, like why we kind of started talking to, to do this interview is to really look at coding and how it could relate to the artist community, you know, within the musician world. And obviously coding is something that anybody could use for anything. You could use it for, for, for sports apps, you could use it for a cooking website, but I was really interested in how musicians could use it because I look at a lot of musicians' web presence and social presence, mm-hmm. and I don't see them having any apps. I don't see them using very forward-thinking websites, and I think that we have maybe hit a wall where people, you know, the average creative who doesn't have coding experience it's like, well, I've got the Tumblr, I've got the Facebook, I've got the Twitter. This is as far as I can take it within my realm of knowledge. You know, like there's, there's, I don't know what else I could do because everything else that would happen after this, those are all uncharted roads. Is that kind of what you see? Uh, definitely, definitely. I think there's, you know, tons of potential, um, especially with, you know, the artist community, you know, especially with music and, you know, the industry as it is today. I mean, it's been transformed by technology. Uh, you know, there's that, you know, Napster documentary coming out, downloaded, I think. Downloaded, yeah. 
how that totally transformed. I mean, we were, when I was a kid, we were right in the middle of that. And, you know, as soon as, you know, I knew the internet, you know, Napster and LimeWire and all these things were there and it totally transformed what we have today. And even iTunes having like, you know, you can pay for music. I mean, they own, you know, I think 75% or even more of the market share of, you know, downloading songs. We download a song more than we go buy a CD or any other format of music. So, oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Technology has, you know, already been a very uh, transformative process, even, you know, stretching back to the 40s and 50s when different formats of media has changed. So technology has always been a part of music. Uh, and I think that there is such a great opportunity, especially with how fast and how rapid technology is advancing, that if you're not trying to be on the cutting edge of music along with technology, then you are, you know, losing opportunities to get your brand out there, to get your presence out there and to really impact people because, you know, that's why we all care about music. You know, it's something that we just don't, you know, sing to ourselves or make music for ourselves. We want to share it um, and impact other people um, in a positive way. So technology is a great way to do that. You know, and, and music has really never been more, you know, in a lot of ways it's never been more prevalent or more ubiquitous. There's more music festivals than ever. We've got, you know, most people have smartphones that they bring with them. They've got Spotify or Pandora or RDO or, yep. you know, these services that they call upon to be able to play music on the go. And, you know, like you were saying, if you're not growing with this technology, you are missing out, I think, on a lot of prime opportunities to, you know, it's one thing if you have your music in Spotify, that's great. But it's another thing if you have a specialized app that people can download just for your music and maybe there's exclusive content in that app or you've got a heavily coded website that's really specialized to reflect a little bit more of your brand or aesthetic right yeah i mean you know i'm a big fan of you know music festivals and going to concerts you know you know i love as much as i love plugging in my headphones and you know listening on my laptop or my you know iphone you know if you really love music you know like the best place to view it is you know right you know center stage like you know live at a you know concert venue or large outdoor venue at a festival so uh there are definitely people there are definitely musicians out there who are pushing the envelope um with technology uh one recent example is that you know i went to a dan deacon concert you know if you don't know dan deacon but you know oh, really yeah. awesome you know kind of electronic experimental artist who you know his whole thing is centered around technology but he also has just got a great you know ear for music and can use live you know orchestras and do different things but he actually had his last uh like concert tour uh, had an iPhone app, uh, and I think it was Android as well, but definitely an iPhone app where you could, you were specifically told to download it uh, before the concert started. And he actually, like, you would interact with the, the audience. Obviously, if you know Dan Deacon, he's very interactive right. um, with this show, but we had our iPhones all out, and he was playing this song, and it was like, you know, the app was changing colors and having different images on it, and, you know, we would turn different ways, and they had a video of like that interaction. It was really awesome to go after the concert and see, you know, a thousand people with their iPhones up in the air and having that be a part of the live show. And so that was something that was totally different. You always think of, you know, you're here just to kind of hear them perform. Um, and besides the, you know, the old call and shout, you know, call and response kind of thing, this was a new experience. So there's different musicians who are doing cool things to embrace technology and not necessarily be like, put away your phones and, don't do this or don't do that, but instead of using this platform to make it a you know more enriching experience. You know, it's I, you brought up a really interesting point with the Dan Deacon story, which is that I think that a lot of musicians do maybe look at you know, for example, like a smartphone or a tablet at a live show as kind of like 
you know, like there's a conflict there. Like you're either paying attention to me or the smartphone. But that, I think, is a great example of how, because people are inclined to be on their smartphones. They're just addicted to them. I am. I, a lot of people are. And if you are utilizing, you know, if you embrace that and you say, okay, I can either perform and feel resentful that people are on their phones while I'm performing, or I can make the phones part of my experience and then people are further putting themselves in my world, that to me seems like a win-win kind of situation. Definitely. And I mean, and I'm, you know, I've gone to tons of concerts over the past, you know, two to three years. And, you know, I'm a big, you know, fan of, you know, putting my phone up and taking a picture, taking a video. And for me, the reason why I do it, like, I definitely respect the performer who wants, you know, you know, total attention because you are really, you're not having, you're not totally focused when, you know, you are taking a picture or taking a, a video. But the reason that I do is because, you know, it's such a great experience. I want to find a way to capture that, to relive it. Uh, you know, when I look at those pictures and I look at those videos, it's not that, oh, I just watched it through this video. It's just that, like, you know, six months, six years later, even longer, I can look back at this, you know, evidence like I was there. And you can even feel like yourself, like you're transported back to that time where you were standing with all those people listening to like your favorite song being played by your favorite artist. So, you know, technology is not just people being, you know, snobbish with their smartphones and not paying attention, you know it's a great, you know, way, a great vehicle to relive, you know, a lot of great moments. And that's what music does so well. So, you know, that's the reason why I do it. And I think if there's more ways to kind of capture the experience of a concert, I think you could also limit the amount of people who put their phones up, you know, in the air, you know, they're trying to capture something themselves. Absolutely, man. And I think that engagement and participation, you know, and involvement are such key elements to the music experience, whether it's listening to something recorded or live, you know, if people feel more connected to your music, you know, whether it's through technology or, or otherwise, that just seems like a win-win to me. So let's talk about like maybe some of the apps that, you know, could be could be created, you know, through coding. Because I, I think that if I was a musician listening to this, I'd be like, okay, this is helpful, but what's like, what are some concrete examples? So, you know, I'm going to run down a couple of app creation ideas that I have seen in action. And I was one, you know, I'd just love to hear your thoughts if you've seen any of these things or if you've helped anybody create these and start a league. You know, I've seen SoundCloud apps. I've seen Spotify apps, um, you know, obviously smartphone apps, but, but people utilizing SoundCloud and Spotify, you know, open coding and open source to, to create a customized player, things like that. Have you seen any of that kind of stuff? Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, I think it's great that, you know, you know, SoundCloud and Spotify and, you know, places like Hype Machine have an API to really, you know, give developers and give people who are, you know, not only really smart in design and development, but also just really passionate about music to give them an opportunity to create, you know, new solutions. You know, we all have great ideas, but the beauty of collaborating with other people is that when you do that, there's so many more awesome things that are built. So it's great to see these companies, you know, embracing this kind of open source and letting them, you know, letting other people build things for them. You know, one great example was I think the XX for their like night and day festival that they did. Uh, they built a really great website when they launched their new album. And you could see people from all over the world, like what they were listening to on the album. And you could see like as the, you know, the songs changed or whatever, who was listening to what. So it was just cool kind of visual of the world. Uh, on you know this map and there's these stream like line streams going from england to australia to new york to chicago and it's kind of made that experience like you're listening to it yourself but you feel connected to millions of people around the world and you know just something as small as that can make the music experience that much better um even at the starter league here i mean we've had a couple 
uh, groups of students build apps. One in particular is one called Off the Record. So Off the Record Magazine is a, a website, basically like a, you know, like a music magazine that lives online. And the one magazine that they have up now is for the Alabama Shakes. And you can go to their website and you have this like living, like breathing um, profile of the Alabama Shakes. It's not just a picture and some words or a YouTube link, but you can scroll down and you can, you know, see them, you know, see concert pics. You can see concert videos. You can see excerpts of articles talking about their album. You can hear excerpts from the band talking about the creation process of, you know, you know, making their debut album. And it's just a really great way to interact with a band without actually being at the concert venue, actually, you know, listening, um, you know, to their full album. And so it's just small things like this, that if you give the power of coding and design to people who really care about this, they're going to want to create things. I think the issue is that we just don't feel that we are smart enough to create those things. We have the ideas, but we don't think that we can do it. But when you give someone the confidence that they can, cool you know, apps and cool websites like this happen you know, all the time. So it's all about just giving them the opportunity and the belief that they can do it. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. And I think that um, hopefully that's what people can take away from this conversation, you know, is that this is really these worlds, you know, the, the coding world, the, you know, learning this language and putting it into action is not something that's reserved for an elite few and a select few who are predetermined. And it's not this kind of Harry Potter sword in the stone, you know, sword in the stone type thing where like, you know, it's just totally inaccessible to the normal person. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Totally agree. I mean, cause that's, that was me, you know, I was, that was me for so long. Like I didn't think I could do this. And, you know, to say if someone would have told me, you know, four or five years ago that I'd be running a school that teaches programming and design, I probably have been like, you're talking about a different person, but here I am <laughs> helping hundreds of people um, learn how to make their ideas real through, you know, coding and design. And it's really amazing to see their transformation pro uh, process and see their confidence grow. And because of that, you're, I mean, we've taught people who are musicians, we've taught people who are lawyers and doctors and teachers, journalists, you name the industry, we probably had a student there. And when you give people from a different industry, you know, a common, you know, tool like technology and programming, then, you know, magic happens and you see great applications built that solve meaningful problems. What about, you know, let's look at the web experience. Like what's the difference between creating a website on a platform like WordPress or Tumblr, which, you know, you can utilize coding in, but a lot of people opt for just purchasing or, or downloading a pre-made theme. But, you know, like there's, there's so much more you can do in that mm -hmm. space, right? Like, you know, in terms of coding and creating a really a more customized, you know, web experience. Yeah, definitely. I mean, so, you know, there's definitely lots of options out there, uh, you know, pre-made templates and different, you know, templates to convey different moods or brands or whatever. Um, and those can work. You know, I'm a big fan of Tumblr and I've, you know, I have a WordPress blog, but the ones that really stand out, I mean, the ones that, you know, I'm sure we all have our favorite, you know, websites and, uh, you know, web applications and the ones that stand out are the ones that are customized, the ones that, you know, they know how to build this great unique experience that just fits uniquely with them. And those are the ones that as consumers, we really appreciate. We, you know, we send that to our friends. We send that to, you know, family, like, hey, check out this site. It was, you know, had a really great time learning about this artist, learning about this band, uh, because they really put the time and effort in to make it totally special and unique to them. So, you know, even across the millions or billions of sites that are on the internet today, and it's getting larger, you know, every minute, you know, there's still those few sites out there that everybody goes to. And it's because they have the skills and they have the, you know, kind of the design 
process to actually build something that's meaningful um, and not something that's a, you know, a vanilla copy of someone else's site. And I think we as, you know, people who are passionate about a certain industry like music definitely appreciate that. And that can help in terms of getting that band's presence out there, getting more sales and, you know, to keep making more music. Well, you know, we've talked a lot about the great things that coding can do. So now I guess let's look at, you know, like what's step one? What's that first step out the door that a musician or anyone could take in terms of getting started learning coding to where they could really get to where they're building a customized website, a really innovative app, and, and building these great tools that can help bring their art and their message out to people and connect with other people? Definitely. I think the first step uh, before, you know, typing or, you know, going to Google is really figuring out, like, what your, you know, purpose and passion is. Uh, like, which, what goal do you want to achieve uh, with learning how to code and, like, how to design? Uh, because if you just want to, you know, code for just the sake of coding, you're not going to last that long, especially if you don't have the experience and knowledge uh, to do that because you're doing something else. You're already passionate about music. You already have a lot of work to do in that field. So to add something else on with, you know, your current, you know, really busy schedule is really tough. But if there's a problem that you want to solve, if there's something that you really care about, like I want to build this website because, or I want to build this mobile app because, and you really care about that. If you really think that's going to make a meaningful impact for you, but also for other people, that's the catalyst that you need to jump into the world of learning how to code. So that's the first step is really just with yourself, like figure out what you want to do. And that might change, but if you have this kind of guiding vision uh, to do something meaningful, that's going to get you through all the tough times when you're struggling with, you know, an error in your code or something's not working as you wanted it and you spent eight hours on this one problem. You know, having that guiding vision is what's going to get you through it. Um, and I say that because that's what got us through. Uh, you know, there's lots of times where we wanted to quit, but we thought, like, if we quit, then our dream dies. And we don't want that to happen. So that's the first thing. The second thing is, depends, like, how serious you are. I mean... Do you want to, you know, spend three months at a physical program like the Starter League? Uh, that's definitely a big investment in terms of time, but also money. But if you're really serious about learning this, then that could be a great option uh, to come to us to learn, to really advance uh, really far in a short amount of time. Uh, but if that's not the right option, maybe you want to just kind of do it more casually. There's tons of online resources out there. You just Google how, learn how to code and a million things show up that are free and are really engaging and interactive. So there's tons of options out there, but the key thing is figuring out what you really care about doing. And then second, like how serious are you about learning? Because there's many different options based on those two questions. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I'm going to hit you with one or two more questions. I know you've, I'm sure got a very busy day, but uh, you know, let's kind of take a look a little bit in the future, like five to 10 years from now, how prominent will coding be? Will it be something that the next generation, you know, that might be, in first grade now or in sixth grade or in high school right now, is it something that they're just gonna inherently know by the time they're 20 or 25, you know? Is that gonna be a, you know, in 10 years, is that gonna be the same as when kids were learning cursive, you know, when we were in school? That's a great question. I mean, the first quick answer is that it's already happening. I mean, there's, you know, you know, the pretty much a news report every day of, you know, some, you know, uh, high school or middle school or, you know, elementary school that has adopted coding or design into their curriculum. I mean, right now, outside of this office, we're teaching high schoolers, you know, HTML and CSS uh, for the summer. And so we're already trying to expand what we offer uh, to more, you know, schools and, you know, partners throughout the city of Chicago. So that, that, that movement is already happening. However, the one thing that I will say is that 
just like cursive. Like, you know, when I was in second and third grade, you know, we had to learn cursive. Personally, I love cursive, but there was no real, like, what was the purpose for us learning cursive? Can you remember why we were supposed to learn cursive? You know, like, it just was, you need to learn cursive. And that's why people don't use it anymore, you know, because there was no purpose behind, or at least we didn't, they, we weren't communicated to as to what the purpose of cursive was. And I think if code and like design happened the same way, you know, we could be having a hangout, whatever, with Google or in space or whatever right. we're doing it 10 to 15 years from now. And they're going to be like, oh, yeah, you know, remember when we had to learn code? And, you know, it's like, oh, yeah, that was kind of useless. And so the reason why we have built the Starter League is because we care about the why. Like, why is code and design important? And for us, it's important because we want to solve meaningful problems that can make the world a better place. And I think if that purpose is instilled at an early age as to why this is important, as to how powerful this platform can be, then yes, in five, 10, 15 years, you will have, you know, coding being, you know, just as important as reading or writing was to transform our society. So coding can be very powerful, but it's important to really communicate why it's uh, powerful, because if it's not, and you just have, you feel like it's forced, like not, none of us love to do homework. And if we feel like coding is homework and not fun, then no one's going to learn, you know? So that's the really, like the important thing to, to, you know, impress and communicate is that it's not about what, it's about why you're doing what you're doing. And so if that's, if that wins out, then, you know, the world will be a better place. I think it's just like anything that's really beneficial and be, beneficial, beneficial and useful and important, you know, and has the ability to impact people. It has to start with why you're right. You're absolutely right. It has to start with why, what does this mean to me? What does this mean to people around me? And how does it impact myself and the people I want to connect with? So, you know, final question that I want to go out on is we've talked about a lot of great stuff here today. Uh, I think covered a lot of really great advice and really shed some light on what coding is and how it can be used. If anyone's listening and they're still on the fence, what final advice would you give them in terms of like, it's not something that is too, you know, has to be too intimidating. Like what final, you know, kind of gentle push into the water could you give for people who are on the fence? Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, what I would say is that, you know, like I was there, you know, I was, you know, those people who are on the fence who don't believe that they can learn, who don't believe that they're smart enough, you know, who just want to just like focus on something else. Uh, like I was, I was that person. Uh, you know, and it's still scary, even though I've been learning for the past, you know, three years, it's still intimidating sometimes when you, you know, work with people who are geniuses and people who've been doing it for 15, 20 years. But you have to remember that, you know, there was a time where you didn't know as much as you did now. And the only way you got there was by taking that initial step. Uh, and that's what we're really good at with the, at the Starter League is that we help people get from zero to one, as we say, because um, nothing's harder than that start. So to the people who are on the fence, you know, the best advice that I have is that I've been in your shoes and instead of continuing to believe that I wasn't smart enough, I decided to actually go for it and ask those questions and get the support that I needed and just try and, and, and you know, and not figure it out, make mistakes and learn from those mistakes. So you just have to start. And once you keep going, you, every day you get a little bit further ahead. A year from now, two years from now, you're going to look back at yourself and you're not going to be able to recognize who you are because you've learned so much. So you just got to just, you know, like Nike, you know, just do it. Just go for it. And you're surprised at, you know, how far you actually make it. I love it. Uh, Michael McGee from the Starter League, thank you so much for taking some time this afternoon to talk about coding and, and really like how people can really get involved with that practice and learn the language, man. I think it's really, really interesting. And, and I just cannot thank you enough. Really appreciate you taking the time. 
Thank you so much for inviting me. I really appreciate the time to talk to you. Awesome, man. Well, uh, this will be up soon online for everyone to check out at dynastypodcast.com. I'll, of course, let you know when it goes up. And have an awesome afternoon. All right. You too, man. Thanks. Thanks. Bye. This has been the Industry Interactive Podcast. Thanks to Michael McGee of the Starter League for being on the show this week. You can find more Dynasty podcasts at DynastyPodcast.com. For the Dynamic Dynasty, my name is Haima Black. Dynasty Descend.